I think I just kind of like backed myself into a corner because I was like, I'm not doing this college thing, obviously. Yeah. I was like, I've told everybody I'm doing this, and I was like, this has to work. It has to. I was like, there's, I was like, there's absolutely no way I am like going to go to school and do that route. Like, it's just, I was like, it's not happening. I had this has to work. Welcome back to another episode of Chris's Secret Podcast. I am impressed that you found it. On this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with Jake Hamilton. If you're not already familiar with Jake, buckle up because it is going to be an exciting journey where he shares his invaluable insights into how he thrives in the real estate industry. Jake started his real estate career right out of high school, where he quickly became one of the top agents in all of Alexandria, Virginia. Besides being an incredibly successful real estate agent, he's also become an extremely successful licensed contractor where he does home remodels for either homeowners or real estate investors. In addition to all of that, he's also done multiple flips and multiple builds where he's actually built million dollar homes from the ground up. His real estate portfolio is absolutely massive. It is one that will make you very jealous and consists of multiple single family homes and even an apartment building that is located right outside of Old Town Alexandria. And did I mention that he did all of this before he turned 30 years old? He is still in his 20s and he has this kind of resume. Super impressive. And you want to make sure you stick around until the end of the podcast where Jake shares some of his secrets on how he helps negotiate real estate deals for his clients. Now, without further ado, I present to you Jake Hamilton. Jake, I appreciate you uh, you jumping on. Excited to uh, be here with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, no problem. So I guess it's been it's been a minute. So obviously we met way back in the day. Uh, I was helping you out with your payrolls for you and your team. You were helping me show uh, show me around a few properties up in Northern Virginia. So it's obviously it's been like dude, it's been probably like a year or two since we really sat down and uh, and uh, chopped it up. So what have you been up to, man? Tell the people about kind of who you are and what you got going on. Yeah, I've been up to a lot. I think um, last time you and I connected was like 2020 or 2021 market was just absolutely bananas back then. I mean, I was selling, gosh, I was selling like almost 70 houses a year by myself at the time. So it was bananas. And then, you know, in 21 or 2020, I started flipping and building houses. So I did a number of projects that year, along with selling a lot of real estate. And, you know, 20, 2022, dove way deeper into that. So a little bit less real estate than I was doing and continued to just build up my, you know, home building and house flipping business. And the end of 2022, I actually started a remodeling business that kind of ties along with my real estate sales company. So that's what I've been up to for the past couple of years. Yeah, dude, sick. And I was going to say, I was obviously doing some uh, professional stocking before jumping on here. I was looking at uh, look at that Instagram. I didn't know how heavy you were now into the the flipping and developing and remodeling, that's a, that's a totally different turn, I guess, from like when you were showing me houses, obviously you were doing some, some I think, kind of investing, but it seems like you've gone, you know, balls to the walls with this, uh, <laughs> with the, the flipping and real, uh, renovating. It kind of all like came to be in a funny way. Like, you know, I was selling so much real estate. Like, you know, when you're an individual agent, I think like 
you know, being a realtor is like when you first get started in it, it's the most like purest form of entrepreneurship. Cause it's like, you know, you, you're a salesperson, right? And you go sell somebody a service and your service is I'm going to help you buy a home or I'm going to help you sell a home. It's really super, you know, A to B, very simple business. Right. And I was kind of like, you know, 2020, I was selling so much real estate. I was like, gosh, like I'm kind of bored. Cause it's like, it's so repetitive. You know what I mean, Chris? Like it's so like, you know, same thing over and over again. Um, like, I feel like now, like I, I'll talk to new agents and they'll be like, can you believe this happened? I'll be like, yeah, I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty but, believable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the construction stuff kind of got started. Cause I had like, you know, when I was 18, I got into selling real estate and I was doing really well at it. And then I was like realizing, you know, all my clients are investors. So like, you know, they're, they're making their money, you know, off the backs of me finding the deal. Right. And then I was like, but there's also this additional piece to it, which I had to have a very good understanding of, which was the construction side of things. Cause like in real estate, you know, any, anybody can go buy a house and rent it out. But like, that doesn't mean that that's necessarily a good investment, right? Like if you went and bought like a fully renovated house and rented it out, would that be a good investment? I'd argue, you know, in a lot of cases, probably not. So my main clientele when I began as a real estate agent was like finding, you know, houses that were distressed and needed work, understanding the cost to renovate them and then selling them to, you know, my pool of investor clients. And that kind of turned into me being like, Hey, I've sold enough of these to where I have enough money to go do this on my own. And that's what I did. Yep. And that's interesting. You say that when you started, most of your clients were investors. Um, so I guess one, do you, do you know why or like what made most of them be investors? And two, kind of a second question off of that is, a lot of people, a lot of realtors, I should say, not people, realtors hate working with investors. I think it's because they don't understand what it takes to be like, like they don't, they aren't looking at properties from like the lens of an investor. So yeah. do you think it's hard to work with investors and why were most of them investors to begin with, you think? Um, so look, I got into the business when I, in 2017. So I, I was fresh out of high school. I graduated in June of 2017 and I got my real estate license in September. Um, and, you know, when you're 18 years old, you don't really have a very big network of friends or family that are buying and selling houses. Um, and that's just, that was, that was the, you know, those, the, those are the cards that I was dealt. I didn't have a big network of people. Like I knew a lot of people cause I grew up in Alexandria and that's where I practiced real estate, but I didn't, not a lot of people were, you know, my friends were in college. They weren't buying houses. So, you know, I was like sitting there, I was like, okay, well, like, who could I, who could be my market? Like, who could I, you know, work with? And I was just like, you know, investors or builders, like that seems to make most sense. So I just kind of like went to the grindstone and started like learning it, like listening to bigger pockets, you know, I would run numbers on deals that I would think were, you know, deals. And I do this now because it's like, they weren't at the back, you know, yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah. But I'd go to other agents in my office and be like, what do you think of this? And they would be like, um, I say, yeah, that's, that's good. Or that's bad. And I would just do that over and over and over again. And then I finally learned, I was like, okay, this is good. This is bad. You know, you understand rates of return. You understand what cost of capital is all, all that type of stuff. And so, you know, I, my first, my first year in the business, I, um, you know, I ended up probably about 50, 55% of my business was investors. And that was because what I would do is I, I'd basically, you know, go network with wholesalers or I'd go on MLS and I'd identify, you know, opportunities where they could knock a house down and build a new one. Bear in mind back then the market was on this huge upswing and there was still a fair amount of inventory, not like unlike today. 
So, you know, I would identify an opportunity and I would call an investor and say, hey, here's the opportunity. Here are the numbers that I believe that you could, you know, get if you were to buy the property. Here's how long it would take, your cost of capital. Break the whole thing down basically into like kind of like a presentation. And then, you know, do what realtors do. I'd go show the property and, you know, negotiate the contract and go to closing. And it was great because, like, when I was 18, I was really poor, and all my clients were cash buyers. <laughs> so they would, you know, <laughs> close in a week. <laughs> like, I need this money to go get some beers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. the boys. yeah, that's exactly. awesome. That's awesome. So, wait, what made you want to get into real estate? Because, I mean, you obviously started, you said you started at 18, right out of high school. So, yeah. what drew you to real estate and what made you want to get into it at such a young age? Yeah, it's actually kind of a funny story because, like, it goes back a, a long time. Um, when I was like, I think I must have been nine or 10, maybe 11 years old, between like fourth and fifth grade, something like that, I had a lemonade stand. And I also cut grass in the summer, right? I was just kind of like, I was, you know, entrepreneur. And um, you can actually look up my lemonade stand online still. Really? Wait, what's it called? What's it called? If you look up like Jake Hamilton uh, lemonade stand something, I think it'll probably come up. Uh, it was, I was in an article on Inc. Magazine for like best lemonade stand in America, my sister and I, in like, I think it was 2011 or nine or something. All right. I'm going to have to find this. This is hilarious. Sidewalk Magazine. Oh no, it's too old of an article. It's not up anymore. Yeah, I'm going to so, find it. I'm going to find I'll, it. After I'll this. try to find it and send it to you. But anyway, so I uh, had my lemonade stand set up on this corner and you know, when I wasn't selling lemonade, I was like cutting grass or just doing odd jobs. And there was this guy who lived, or he didn't live, he was a landlord who owned an entire block of houses behind mine and the other adjacent entire block. Um, so I, you know, went up to him one day. And I, just, I just so happened to be at the right place at the right time. And I knocked on the door and he answered and he was like, yeah. And I was like, do you need your grass cut? And he was like, actually, I do. And I was like, okay. And he goes, I need you to cut this law and this law and this law. And he goes and points out like five houses. I was like, why do you want me to cut all your neighbor's grass? And he was like, <laughs> he goes, he was like, these are my houses. I rent them out. And I was like, oh, okay. So people pay you to live at your houses. And he was like, that's correct. And I was like, cool. And he was like, they pay me 1800. They pay me 1600. And I was like, and you could just go like spend that money at whatever you want, like at 7-Eleven. And he goes, I own the 7-Eleven too. And I was like, no way. Oh, <laughs> so I guess that kind of like sparked the, like idea of like, oh, I should like, like get into this real estate thing. And, you know, ever since then, I was kind of like, you know, I cut grass in the neighborhood. I did all sorts of entrepreneurial type of things in high school and, you know, middle school and whatnot. In high school, I started working for a real estate agent. I, you know, did like, uh, I had a house costume I would wear and I would dance around his open houses and the mascot and, uh, you know, get people to come in. I'd go hand out flyers, um, just like all sorts of just like odd, odd jobs like that. And I did it, you know, once I got like more into my adolescence, I was like, okay, I want to, I, I started to think more about it. I was like, I kind of, I think I want to do this real estate thing because I, I'd met a realtor who would go into my church at the time. He was my small group leader and he kind of explained it to me. He was like, yeah, so basically like I'll help somebody buy a home or sell a home and I get paid 3%. I was like, really? That's it? And he was like, well, 3% of, you know, 500 grand is $15,000, Jake. I was like, oh, <laughs> how many times a year do you do that? And he was like, like 20 times. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. So, you know, it kind of like sparked this thing in me where I was like, hey, like this kind of like seems like this might be something I would really enjoy doing. Because I, 
you know, I loved houses. I loved real estate in the sense of like construction. I always like had a fascination for that as a kid. And then I didn't do so great in high school. I was like a 2.0 GPA type of guy. So, and in, I think it was probably my end of my sophomore year. I kind of basically like decided, I was like, you know what, like I'm going to do this real estate thing. And I was working for a realtor. I was doing odd jobs. I was working retail on the weekends, just like learning how to sell things and whatnot. I was just always researching the real estate business and trying to understand it. And junior year, same thing. And then senior year, I was like skipping class at the end of every single period. I would skip class. I would go and work for a realtor that I had a new realtor that I had gotten a job with. And I was working at his flooring store and I was just like selling flooring out of his flooring store for him and just following him around, learning about, you know, what escrow is, what closings are, all, all things. Just, you know, you pick up tidbits of information from everybody that you interact with. And he would kind of be like, hey, I'm working on this development deal. This guy's buying this. He's splitting the lots. He's doing this, that, and the other. And I, it's kind of like plants a seed. And I'm like, huh, that's really interesting that I'd go research it right after the fact. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Now, so wait, what was your childhood like? Like, you're talking about all these things that you did basically before you graduated high school. But was your childhood just always focus on business? Were you doing sports? Like what was your upbringing like? Yeah. So I, I played lacrosse like all throughout my childhood uh, up until about high school. Um, I stopped playing like sophomore year. I played on the golf team for a year. And then I was just junior year, junior and senior year of high school. I was just like full on like, Hey, let me like try to set myself up for success with this. Like at that point I was pretty much completely bought in. Like I was going to go get my real estate license and I was going to go and try this. Dang. So you were you were already kind of dead focused on business and I guess real estate specifically that young at that young. Point yeah, it's funny because like I had had like other jobs like outside of real estate and like I would talk to people about it and they'd be like, oh, yeah, Mr. Real Estate over here. And I'd be like 16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and it's funny that you say that because I was kind of similar more so on the like entrepreneurial payroll, side when it comes to yeah, yeah payroll side yeah i just grew up i was like yeah i want to do payroll <laughs> one day <laughs> no but i always want to do like uh just, I, I honestly just wanted to own a business but i was doing a lot of like e-commerce and drop shipping and that type stuff yeah. in middle school and high school and so but it's the same thing where like i i for one night i went and worked at there was like a local bar i was gonna do st patrick's day weekend i was like senior 18 years old my buddy worked there and he's like yeah you can like help me do you know, bar back and bus boy stuff. And I was like, oh right, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And so I busted my ass doing, you know, cleaning tables, bringing to people drinks, all this crap, folding napkins. And at the end of the night, I think I made for, I mean, hours, hours worth of work. I made like $5 an hour or something like ridiculous. Like I got like a check for like 50 bucks. I was like, wait, so you do this like every night of your life and th this is what you have to show for it. Like this shit sucks. Like yep. I refuse. Um, I can just go and find something like in a dumpster and sell it on eBay for $50. So yep. it, it was kind of like that light bulb moment of like, Oh, what I've been doing is working. I do not want to go down this path. Um, but uh, yeah, that's hilarious that you were also young age trying to do, uh, trying to get the hustle going. So did you end up going to college? Uh, yeah, I did. I went to college for three weeks. <laughs> um so like my mom had enrolled me into school and it was the community college okay so i did not want to go i was like super adamant i'm like this is a complete waste of money um and my mom's an academic like she's got i think two master's degrees and my stepfather also has like two or three like this was like 
you know, not not their cup of tea that I wasn't going to college. Um, so anyway, they they like signed me up to go to college, and I was getting I was supposed to get an associate's degree in construction management. Okay. Um, which I guess was a blessing in disguise because like, you know, people always ask me like, how do you get all these investor clients? And I was like, I don't know. I guess like right place, right time because my professor, who I ended up, you know, I, I kind of befriended him. I went, I went up to him the first day of like class because he kind of gave a syllabus. He was like, "Hey, I've built an airport. I've built a hotel. I've built houses. Blah 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 blah." Yeah. He has now. He has now. I teach this class to stay out of the house and away from my wife and my son and I flip <laughs> houses. And I was like, "Oh, target acquired." Yeah. <laughs> went up to him after class and I was like, "Hey, um, I saw that you, you said you flip houses." And I was like, "Well, I'm a real estate agent." And he's like, "I already have a real estate agent." And I was like. I figured you might. Uh, that being said, I saw this opportunity. Your real estate agent probably hasn't presented to you. And he was like, okay. And he looks at it and he's like, this is a trash opportunity. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, shoot. I was like, I basically decided like, I'm not going to go back. And then I went back because my mom and I got in a fight and she forced me to go back. <laughs> so I go back for the second week. Um, and I, I, I'm not paying attention at all in the class. It was just, I was like not engaged. Yeah. And I went on MLS, I found another deal, and I went up to him and I said, all right, this is something you need to look at. And I just put it on his desk and I sat down and I was sitting like this. And I was just like, you know, what do you think? And he looks at it and he like starts jotting some numbers down. He's like, and then he stands up and um, puts his stuff in his bag. And he's like, let's go. And I was like, to the house and he was like yeah i mean he's like you're an 18 year old real estate agent i don't think you have any other clients right now and i was like <laughs> right <laughs> um which at this point i had probably i had probably sold you know close to 10 houses you okay, know? I mean, that's still that's still like yeah, I, was, solid I, was kind of, for... I was i was breaking you know i was getting my feet in the water yeah um we go he looks at the house for like literally two minutes like we pull i remember like pulling up and like getting back in my car and starting it and it's like you know when you like it was just very you know stop and go um and he's like all right write it up all cash close next week and i was like okay cool <laughs> so you know offer gets accepted yada 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 we go to closing at closing he says to me he was like i say to him i'm like hey i'll see you in class in like an hour and he's like don't ever show up to my fucking class again verbatim and he really? he was like he's like you're doing this he's like you're good at this and he was like you're not doing the construction thing you're not getting a degree he was like you're doing this I've sold that guy probably close to 30, 40 houses at this point. Really? Yep. Dude, that is sick. So wait, was that was that like the moment that you're like, all right, I'm not going to class anymore? Like, was that like that kind of like the yeah, final I mean, nail in the coffin? Yeah, I like I'm dropping going. out. <laughs> yeah, I'd planned to stop going, but now I had a relationship with a guy, so I figured I'd keep going to, you know, see it through, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, like, yeah, he, he and I've done a lot of deals together. He's a good friend now. Um, his, it's just been, you know, it's a good relationship, but he, he was kind of like probably investor number one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's, that is hilarious. Now, what were your parents like, or what was your mom like when you're like, I'm not going anymore. Like I'm, oh, I'm officially her. done. I didn't tell her. You didn't, you didn't tell her? No, for like <laughs> probably the good part of a year. So she thought you were just going to school for a whole year? Yeah, like, I was, like, calling, like, friends from high school who knew how to use computers. I was like, can you, like, make my Blackboard account look like I've gone to class? And they were like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> like, it was a whole thing. Wait, so did she pay for, like, another semester? And you're like, she's like, oh, how's how's freaking English 101 going, <laughs> Jake? And you're like, oh, it's going good, Mom. Yeah, exactly. 
That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Now, now does she find it like funny? Is she happy with where things are? Or is she still like, why didn't you finish school, dude? She's basically like, why didn't you finish school, dude? Still, really, still to yeah. this day. But like, that's their culture, you know. They're like, yeah, you know. That's funny. That's funny. So, in your your stepfather, what did he do? Like, was he like professor or was he a business owner? What did he do? Now, for a living? He's a government, a government contractor. Um, well, cool. Well, let's jump over to <clears throat> as far as. When it comes to real estate, it seems like you have your hand in like every little bit of real estate. You obviously are doing it, helping people with buying, helping people with selling, you're doing flips, you're doing new builds. What would you say is like your favorite area right now to be helping out with? Um, you know, my, my real estate sales business is kind of like, it's almost, it's almost like automated at this point. Okay. Like I'm not doing too much lead generation per se. Like what comes in is what gets serviced. Okay. So a lot of people who I've sold houses to in the past, you know, regular consumer home buyer, home sellers, they'll refer me business or they'll come back because they need to buy or sell. And those are the clients I work with and with my investor pool. So I, I'd say my business is probably 60 40 when it comes to investor to, you know, regular home buyer, home seller ratio. That's mm-hmm. uh, 60% of it being investors. So that being said, it's like, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a nice business because I'm not, I don't work. I don't, I definitely don't work a 40 hour work week selling real estate, but I'll sell this year. I think I'm at 26 transactions closed and pended probably be 27 by the end of the night. Yeah. Um, so I'll probably sell 45, 40 units this year. Some somewhere in the realm of, you know, $30 million. Okay. Yeah. And that's like, I don't, I don't really have my foot on the gas with that. When I yeah. was, you know, at my peak of being a realtor, I was selling $40 million a year. 40, I think my best year was $42 million as an individual agent. Sheesh. And I think I sold like just, just under 70 units. That's bonkers. Yeah. What, I, what is I, 70 I, units? Like, it, like your top year as an agent, what did you bring in as far as like an annual earnings from just selling houses? That was probably just under a million dollars in commissions. Jeez. And did you have a team that was working underneath you? Like how many people did you have kind of helping you out run that business? At that time, I had a transaction coordinator. I had a director of operations who did like client service. So like when I would sign a listing, he would take it over and communicate with the client and whatnot. And I had a showing assistant. Wow. That's bonkers. So, I mean, what were you, what were you, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but like, what were you profiting off of that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that type of stuff. Um, you know, when you're a realtor, you probably, after everything said and done, you, and you pay your brokerage, all that type of stuff, you probably net about 50%. And that's probably about where I was, maybe a little under 50%. My expenses at that point are probably a little higher than they should have been. <laughs> um, and and it's main, my expenses were too high mainly because, like, I had a really hard time with leadership at the beginning of my career and, like, leading other agents to kind of help me offset my expenses. Yeah. Because when you grow as a real estate agent, like, I, I'm tapped out at 40 units. I can't really produce a, a good level of customer service if I'm selling over 40 units. And that yeah. goes for pretty much everybody. That's almost like an industry norm, I think. It's been yeah. written in some books and whatnot, like the Red Book, which every realtor has read. Yeah. That's in that book. So I was selling 70 about, and I had a showing assistant. So she was doing the showings. I had an operations guy. So I, I was, you know, I was providing good level of customer service. I was well leveraged, right? But um, I couldn't, I could never really solve the piece of the puzzle when it came to like, hey, how can I have an agent that works under me that works just the, 
I don't know, 200 to $400,000 buyers. And I mm-hmm. go and I work everybody that's over that. And I just take maybe half of their commission and they yeah. can produce on their own as well. That type of yeah. thing. Yeah. I never really was able to master that system, that process or that level of leadership. So yeah. the business was, you know, it lacked in profitability. Yeah. My business at that time probably could have been in the 55 or 60% margin range, but it wasn't because I didn't have that like one key player that was producing mm-hmm. and bringing an in income to help offset some of the expenses. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And do you think, I mean, just be honest, I mean, I feel like part of the reason for that is, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but dude, you were, you were young as hell, killing it. And I think it is kind of hard because typically someone up here is looking for somebody in like, what was your age range at that point, which you know, you're a freaking teenager, like in your young 20s. Yeah. Do you think that was part of the problem is that you'd be trying to get somebody to come in under your wing and like, I'm not listening to you. You're a freaking kid. It's like, yeah, well, I'm a kid, but I'm also outselling you. But like, yeah, you know, I, I, double, double what I you're think selling. that definitely had to do with it, had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that is what it is. But like, here, here's the thing is like, I, I was like, okay, like I'm making, you know, let's say it's 550 grand a year, you yeah. know, selling houses, probably my, you know, best net year as a realtor. Yeah. I was like, I want to get to that million mark. Like, how do I get there? And I'm like, okay, yeah. this whole team, this whole team thing really isn't working for me. Yeah. I was like, I can't, I was just like, I kept bringing agents on. They'd work for me for three months and then they would, you know, fizzle out. Yeah. And it was just like a, you know, up, down. It was a roller coaster. I was like, this is yeah. like, it's not working. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep selling all this real estate and let me go and flip and build three or four houses a year. And that should be able to make me the money that I want to make to be able to bring me to the income level that I want to be at. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sick. Now in your, in your first year, how many houses did you sell like your very first year being a real estate agent? 24. 24. And then your best year, you ended up scaling up to, you said 70? It was like 67 or 69. I forget. It was just under 70. It was really yeah. annoying. It was under 70. <laughs> I mean, that's, dude, that's a, that is kind of crazy. But also I feel like 24, what's the average real estate agent sell in a given year? It cannot be 24 houses. Four, I think it's like four or six or something. Okay, so you hit the ground running. So, like, what would you advise for a new agent as far as like how to scale up their business as quickly as you did? Um, you know, like I I did a lot of things, and the biggest thing I did though that I realized now looking back on it was like I was just consistent with everything. So, like, I I did a lot of cold calls in the beginning to stay busy in between when my investors would buy something or when I meet somebody at an open house or whatever. I was I had my toes in a lot of different ponds, if you want to, you know, put it that way. Like I would, you know, I'd get to the office at like 730 in the morning and I'd start cold calling people at like eight o'clock and I'd do that until like 11. And then at 11 until like one, I'd be doing follow-ups. I'd call people I met at open houses. I'd call people I cold called who said they had interest in selling. I was always just lead generating. Yeah. And I never really, I didn't really have a lot of leads handed to me when I was in the business. I worked on a team. But I mostly worked on that team for admin support. And that was probably one of the best decisions I ever made because I'm not an administrative type of person. Like, I'm just like, I don't comprehend, you know, administrative tasks very well. I still (laughs) fail epically at them. Uh, But it was great because when I was on that team and I was 18, it it gave me this like opportunity to just kind of like lock myself in a room, lead gen all day and know that Susan, the team assistant, would take care of everything else that needed to be taken care of. So I had a very, very clear understanding from the beginning of me getting into the business that my job wasn't to do admin work because that's not what I was good at. My job was to lead generate. Yep. 
Love it. And now, and that is a good point because I just got my uh, real estate license. Now I'm doing it. I don't really plan to ever show anyone a house or do anything like that. I'm just doing it so I can open the door for myself. I'm like, I just want to be able to, to, to drive by a house and open up the door and see what it has yeah, to yeah. offer. Um, and I probably still will be using agents. And obviously, I still reach out to you. And you know, if there's an opportunity up there, I'll still be using you because at the end of the day, I don't think I'm necessarily the smartest person when it comes to <laughs> writing the contract and make sure I'm not screwing myself, but I just want to be able to open the door. Um, yeah. But something that was tricky for me, just given that I'm kind of in a unique situation, I'd be interested to hear your perspective. For a new agent, how did you go about picking the brokerage that you wanted to work at? Yeah, it's funny. I kind of like didn't really pick. I, um, I, I was working for a realtor. Uh, my summer between senior year and me getting my license, I was doing cold calls for him. So that's where I kind of learned how to do that. Um, and he and I ended up parting ways and I knew another realtor from my church that I went to growing up. So I reached out to him. He was at a Keller Williams office in false church. He and I sat down and we talked and then I went and met with the team that I actually ended up joining, uh, at the Keller Williams office in Arlington. And I ended up working with them for about 18 months. And, and then, you know, I went out on my own and I hired an assistant and I did that whole thing. So, uh, I, I kind of, I didn't really think too much about it. Honestly, I didn't think like, Oh, should I be at Long and Foster? Should I be at, you know, Weikert or should I be at Keller Williams? I just kind of like fell into the decision and, you know, ended up there, which has worked out really well. I love my company. I love the owner of my company. He and I have a really good relationship and it's, it's been great for the past several years. Got it. and you're still with KW, right? That's right, yeah. And are you so you're are you a broker now, technically? Like do you have your broker's license? No, I thought a lot about getting it. Um and I, I haven't. I'll maybe I'll get around to it someday. Yeah. I mean, it's also kind of one of those things. I feel like at your spot, which I want to kind of get into in a second with like the investing and the the flipping, you probably don't need the the broker's license, especially if you don't want to scale up and if you don't want to kind of figure out that piece. That's something else I was going to say as far as like managing a rep underneath you. I feel like there's really good sales reps and then there's really good sales managers and you're not necessarily, even if you're like the best freaking sales rep in the world, you don't necessarily want to manage because I feel like sometimes you're like, dude, why don't you work as hard as I work? You know what I mean? I I feel like sometimes hard if you're a top producing rep to then be able to (laughs) teach somebody how to do it because it's a lot of it's like you're saying, it's not really teaching, it's just doing and yeah, it's be a realtor. It, like I said at the beginning of the show, like it is the most simplest form of entrepreneurship. You go sell somebody a, a service, which is you helping them buy or helping them sell, and you go perform that service. It's it, and there's no there's no cost to get sold. There's no like degree. There's not really any training. Like it's just like it's really the most simplest, purest form of entrepreneurship and. You know, what's when you, when you see a realtor that's not making it, it's very obvious to me. Like, the realtors that make it and that, that hit the ground running, that become successful immediately, they're entrepreneurs. And a lot of the times, those realtors that are super successful in the beginning, they don't stay realtors forever. Mm. Why do you think that? I, I think it I think it gets... I think I don't think it's tedious. I think it gets very boring for a lot of those types of people. I think they're like, all right, I mastered this. It's easy. Like, what's next? <laughs> so you see yeah. a lot of guys. You see a lot of people, a lot of guys, gals that get into the real estate business that are very successful the first couple of years, and then they, you know, they're like, 
they come across another business venture or they start flipping or investing or what have you. But it's a really great entryway for you to, you know, kind of build up capital because it's very, so, you know, it's a high paying job. Yeah, no, 100%. Now, you're talking about, obviously, your work ethic and kind of, dude, you were freaking, what, 18, going into the office at 7 in the morning, just ripping dials. Like, <laughs> there's not a lot of people that are that young, that are that hungry. Where do you think you got that work ethic from? You know, it's funny because I, I kind of look back on it myself, and I, I think it was like, I think I just kind of like backed myself into a corner. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing this college thing, obviously. Yeah. I was like, I've told everybody I'm doing this, and I was like, this has to work. It has to. And I was like, there's, I was like, there's absolutely no way I am like going to go to school and do that route. Like, it's just, I was like, it's not happening. I had this has to work. And I was just like, at that point, I figured out. I learned based on talking to other agents, meeting with agents. I would like go and just you know, pick people's brain and ask, but I would ask like real questions, you know, like, you know, have you ever had somebody reach out to you and they're like, Hey, I want to pick your brain. And like 90% of the time when somebody asks me that, I'm just like, no, like if you want to ask me a real question, like I'm more, I'll, I'll tell you everything. I'm a complete open book. Yeah. But you know, there's a lot of new agents that'll come up to me and they're like, Hey Jacob, like I want to pick your brain on how you get investor clients. And it's like, Sure, dude. I'm happy to tell you everything I know about how to get investor clients. Uh, and you know that that person who asked that question, they you know that they're probably not going to get my time. But the person that comes up to me and they say, "Hey, Jacob. So I have been cold calling cash buyers for the past couple of weeks, and I've been saying this script. And what what do you think of what I'm saying?" That, I'd be like, hey, well, this is exactly what I think. You think you need to tweak this? Because that's a legitimate question. It's like, you can't find that answer on Google. You have to go to somebody. That person has exhausted every resource that they have. And yep. their last resource to get the answers or the question they, they have is to go to somebody like myself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I was that person. I would, like, go and ask very legitimate questions. Like, I'd go up to agents who are also cold calling in the office. And I'd be like, hey, so I said this, and then this person said that. Like, what do you think I should have said there? And I would, you know, I'd learn. Yep. Yep. But I would never go and try to waste somebody's time. I would always like come and be like, you know, I'm, I'm completely stuck here. I've done everything I can to try to get to, you know, where I want to go, but I can't quite figure it out. So what do you think? Yep. Yep. No. And I think that's a very good point that you just made. Cause it's the same thing where I'd be doing, you know, like when I was, you know, at ADP and helping you out, I'd have all sorts of people come up and be like, hey, how do you do this? How, like, how do you have, how do you sell so much? And it's like, well, like, I mean, I do a lot of work. Like, what are you doing right now? They'd be like, well, you know, like, I'm like just working, man. Like, but what are you doing? It's like, all right, well, I can't, like, I don't know. Like, give me something that I can help you with a specific yeah. thing. But exactly like you're saying where they're like, hey, man, I've been going into the CPA's office. I've been dropping them off X, Y, and Z information. Like, why is this? Work? Okay, cool. Yeah, well, let's sit down. Let's talk about it. Let me see what you're handing out. And I can actually give you some more useful information. But if you're just like, Hey man, how do you sell so much? Like, like that's a stupid I, question. Yeah, like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I, yeah, I don't. Like, give me something here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've, I've always told everybody. Like, I mentor a kid who um, he graduated high school last year, and you know he he really like I love this kid, and he he came into he 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 works for me now and everything. He was an intern for me, and he does a whole bunch of just you know things for my business still. And in twenty twenty. 
he called me up and he was like, Hey, what's up? My name's, you know, Will and I um I'm on your brother's lacrosse team. He told me you're in real estate. I'm thinking about getting into real estate because this, that, and the other. I don't really know if I want to go to college. I know you went that route, and I was wondering if I could sit down. He literally was saying it so fast, and I was like, Whoa. I was like, <laughs> but the whole time he was super intentional about what yeah. he was like, what the point of the meeting would be. Yeah. So I, I like show up to this meeting and I was like, Hey buddy, I'm leaving for vacation tomorrow at like you know, eight in the morning, I can meet you for coffee at seven. And he was like, cool, I'll be there. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, I, I did not have to leave at eight, but I was like, let's see, like, is this 16 year old or 17 year old kid or whatever, however old he yeah. was, does, does he really like want to sit down? And he was like, I'll be there at seven in the morning to meet you. So anyway, yeah. he shows up, but I, I sit down and he like pulls out this notebook and he opens it up and he's got like probably like 15 or 20 questions like written down. And every single question was like super like, like it's not the type of stuff you could Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's genius. Also, that is a good little lesson for people out there because I've done the same thing on both ends where either someone's reached out to me looking for advice or I've reached out to somebody else looking for advice. And dude, there's all sorts of times exactly what you're saying where I know for a fact I'll reach out to somebody and be like, yeah, come over to my house at. 8.30 at night, I've got like 20 minutes that I can talk to him. like, all right, well, I'll be there. Half the time, they don't need me to show up that late. They, they just want to see if I'm actually about it. Like, and I do that all the time with people who are like, all right, yeah, yeah, I can help you out. I'm going to forget, text me tomorrow at 8 o'clock and remind me, and, and I'll call you at like shortly after. Half the times they never text you because they don't, exactly. they don't actually want it. So like, just note to self, people, like <laughs> if you're looking for a mentor, right, sometimes the mentors will throw in a little like, hey, let's see if you're actually about the life or not. So... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because like, you know, you can tell, you can tell, you can 100% instantly. Tell. Yeah, yeah, instantly. It's so funny. Um, so wait, what has it been like being a mentor? Like how many people have you kind of helped out? Because obviously you're, you're a big person in the space, especially up in like the Alexandria area. Has it been um, like a fun part of, you know, kind of getting to that, you know, next step is actually being able to share the information with the next generation or the other people that are trying to come up alongside you? Yeah, dude, I love it. I love helping that kid out and just getting him on the right, like, you know, path in his life. And like one of the things he was struggling with, he was like, should I go to college? Should I not go to college? And I was like, you know, we had a lot of long conversations about it. He ended up going and I, I think it was what's best for him to be able to figure out, you know, what he, um, what he wants to do and whatnot with his life. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say I've, you know, mentored a ton of people. Like I, I would say that's kind of the only example I have in terms of like that type of situation. Um, I'd love to do more of it. It's just finding the right people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also very time consuming. Like it's, yeah. at least if you're going to be a good mentor, like, cause I've I only helped out a handful of my buddies, like buy properties where they're like, Hey man, I'm like trying to buy something. Like, is this a good deal? Is that a good deal? And it's funny. Cause you know, I probably had a dozen, two dozen people reach out to me trying to like seek advice on how to get a good property. Really? There's only been like, I think three people that actually followed through. Like you're saying with like good questions, showing me good properties, I'll tell them like, hey man, like I would run the numbers this way. Here's like a book I would recommend you listen to or yep. read, or this is a podcast you should check out. And you know, there's only been two or three people that have actually done that, except all those people into buying houses. So it's like, if you if you're willing to put in the work, it, it, good things will come. It's just sometimes hard to find people that are willing to actually <laughs> put in the work. They just want to be handed stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, cool. Well, I have a question. Obviously, you reached out to me. I'm bummed. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it one of these years to your client appreciation event. But what is it <laughs> yeah. like putting on that event? Kind of what made you want to start that? And uh, I guess also can you kind of tell people what it is that you do with, around that client appreciation event? Yeah, event I do like two client appreciation events a year. It's, you know, it's 
it's really just to kind of like engage my friends, clients, sphere of influence, that type of thing. Keep them top of mind. Know that I'm still in the business and whatnot. I, I usually have, you know, 50 to 100 people. My fall event definitely gets a lot more people than my spring event. But it's fun. I got to, like, catch up with my clients. You know, we get to drink beer, have ice cream. And it's just, like, one of those types of things where it's, like, I do it to – it's a marketing thing. I do it to stay in front of my people every so often. Yeah. And and how much money does it cost to put on, like, an event like that? Um, Not a lot, honestly. We get a lot of sponsors. So – Maybe the whole thing, like three or four grand. Okay, that's not bad. And is that mostly coming out of your pocket or the, the sponsor's pockets? I would say it's split evenly. Okay, cool. And how much money do you think you get either directly or indirectly from putting on an event like that? Something like that, probably $200,000 in commissions. Really? Just from an event like that? And, and why, do you, why do you think that? Um, well, you know, like, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's a little hard to pinpoint, but it's a little easy at the same time because it's like, for instance, like I sold somebody a house in 2017 and it's like, you know what, like we're not this client and I, we're not like best friends. We have nothing in common. Like I sold them their house and that's it. Like we have a good relationship, right? Like we like each other. We can talk and catch up. But it's like, you know, I don't have a reason to call this person, you know, three times a year for any other reason except for my event. So that, that, anyway, they're selling their house and that's, you know, ended up going up in value crazy. So there's $30,000 commission. They're buying a house. So that's a $40,000 commission. So like they're already a third of what this event will produce. And yeah. it's directly correlated to staying in touch and being top of mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and I think it is kind of tough for some people to realize how successful those type things can be. Because yeah, there's not like a direct dollar amount that's like, all right, I run this, this Facebook ad and this many people bought my product from the Facebook ad. It's not really, it doesn't really work like that with these type of networking events and like client engagement activities. Yeah, well, it's like with our, you know, remodeling division now. So we're doing like kitchens, baths, basements, and, and things along those lines for people. And I'm realizing so quickly, I'm like, you know, like brand recognition as a realtor matters so much if you're, say, you're farming a neighborhood. Or it matters most with your sphere of influence and the people that you know, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like when you're like a general contractor and you're doing that type of thing, like, you know, your sphere of influence will keep you pretty busy. Like our business, you know, this year we'll probably do a little over a million dollars in revenue just from the remodeling business. Yeah. And, you know, that business, I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, like the scalability of this business is so high because you can get such high brand recognition within with things like trucks and with things like you know, mail or just things like television ads, all sorts of things like that, where as most people know a realtor that they'll call if they need to buy or sell or their cousin's a realtor or what have you, right? Yep. Uh, but not everybody has a like reliable contractor that they'll call if they need to do a bathroom or what, whatever it might be. Yeah. So we've I've looked at the marketing for that business so much differently than I have when it comes to being a real estate agent. Yeah. And it's crazy because I look at it, I'm like, oh my goodness, like there's so much like scalability with something like this. Yeah. And so beyond, obviously you're talking about uh, like doing trucks with, you know, your logo and stuff on the side, but like what other ways have you been doing marketing specifically now transitioning over to like the, the, the renovating uh, business? How have you been trying to kind of scale that business and market that business? Uh, so most of it's been like a little bit of online leads. Um, probably a third there, a third of like sphere of influence, just past clients of mine. 
and then another third of people who have inquired about properties that we flipped. So we'll flip a house and we'll do an open house and the neighbors will come and they'll say, hey, I want to do a house. I want to do my property just like this. And we'll say, hey, well, we can absolutely do that for you. That's genius. So you literally will flip a house, you'll put it as an open house and you'll stand there and just have leads walk in the front door. Yeah, dude, we had one where like, I was like stressed the house wouldn't sell because the only people that were coming were neighbors. And we didn't really make a lot of money on this flip. Um, which is part of the reason why I started the remodeling business. Cause I was like, dude, I'm making like 30, 40, 50, maybe 50 grand on a flip. And I was like, that's just like, like for all this work and all that risk. Exactly. There's a lot of like, risk. Is, yeah. There's a lot like, of risk the in risk, the flips. The risk reward is not there. I was, so yeah. I was like, I'm done with the risk reward, whatever. I'm done with that. Yeah. So I, I, I still will flip houses, but it's like, it's gotta be a really good deal. Like I gotta be making like close to a hundred grand to go and, you know, take on the risk myself. Yeah. Anyway, um, I started the remodeling business cause I'd built up all these crews over the years of flipping and building houses. And I realized one day I was like, I have all these crews. I have all these people. I have all these contacts and I got my contractor's license mainly so I could keep flipping houses at a higher scale, pull my own permits, that type of thing. Yep. And then like leads started walking through the door of my open houses for the houses I had flipped. And you know, it's like I, somebody, um, somebody came into my open house and this was like a condo I had done. And they were mm -hmm. like, how much would it cost to do this kitchen? And I was like, I just literally threw a number out there. I was like about 50 grand. And they were like, that's what I thought. And they were like, I was hoping to do that at my place. And I was like, well, I'd love to come take a look at it and give you a quote for it. And there was born the renovation business. And that, you know, that, mm. that condo project, we ended up making like 40 grand on it. That kitchen, we ended up making like 25,000. So I was like, at that moment, I was kind of like, okay, I'm definitely onto something here. Yep. Yep. And, and so you've just developed like a crew of people that can help you do the renovations just yep. by doing your own flips. Subs, all that type of stuff. Yeah interesting see that's genius and now where are you finding and now obviously you have the connections now where you're working with all these different people i've i've this question i get this question all the time so i'd be interested to hear if you have any other tricks up your sleeve that maybe i'm not using but i've obviously invested in real estate every market i've gone into or every house i've purchased has been in a completely different market so i'm happy to get all new contractors all new you know handyman you know painters everything has to be new every single time i do a house project which has been kind of annoying because you have to like go through the same headache of finding good people over and over and over again. However, what has been your trick to finding good, reliable work? Because I will say finding good, reliable blue collar people is sometimes very difficult. Actually, a lot of times very difficult, hence why you're making so much money doing it. Uh, it's because it's really hard to find good ones. So what's kind of been yeah. your trick to finding good, reliable work there? Here's what I tell you. I, I think it, I mean... That contractor has to, for them to be good and reliable for you, they have to know that they have something to lose. Mm, okay. If you're going to give them one job, like, whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you're going to give them five jobs or whatever, 10, if they can see the, typically they'll, you know, be a lot better than anyone else. So, like, when you're a realtor, you can gather a lot of contractors because like you have a lot of listings. You're like, you know, you tell your crews, you're like, Hey, crew one, go do the carpet here. Hey, crew two, go paint over here. And your clients just trust you. They're like, okay, Hey, he sent 
this crew and they're going to paint and we're going to pay them. And that's, that's how it works, right? You build up crews because you have a lot of business as a real estate agent if you're producing a lot of business, right? Yep. Uh, and then, you know, you're like flipping houses and you're like, hey, dude, you're doing all this work for my clients that I'm referring you to. Come and do this flip for me. And they're like, okay, yeah, no problem. I'll do it. And, you know, then you build and then they sub it out to somebody. You meet that sub and then you've got all this huge network of people. And, you know, like, I guess I kind of think at the root, the root of your question, you're asking, like, how do I find cheap book quality and reliable contractors. Is that right? Sure. Yeah, we could we could go off that. I like that. And, and like, you know, you get what you pay for in the sense of if you pay for a lot and you get a little, then you overpaid. And, you know, shame on you for, for overpaying. Uh, and if you, you know, you get a little, like you don't get a very good rate of, like you don't get a very good outcome and you paid for a little, well, yeah, there you go. One plus one <laughs> equals two. Right? <laughs> Um, so there's a really happy medium right in the middle and that's the hard, that's the hardest part of where to find those people. And the, the way you find them, it's not, I doubt I honestly, maybe there's, I'm sure there's a bunch of stories of people meeting their contractor on Angie's list and whatnot. Um, but I, I really think it comes down to, you know, you being able to just have a consistent flow of work because then you can kind of sift through the good and the bad. Because yeah. if you have one house to do and you you have a house in Ohio and you live in Colorado, like how are you gonna how are you gonna measure the quality of the work? One, how are you gonna say, hey, I need you to do it for cheaper when you're not doing anything because you're in Colorado, right? Like you got no leverage. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and I'll say what you said is very true. Like having more work helps out a ton. Because and I've done I've done the whole gamut of the sketchiest, cheapest contractors in the world showing up like missing teeth, like freaking hungover or on drugs, trying to like do my drywall to, you know, massive crews that have come and like will knock out like a whole like bathroom remodel in like a day and a half. Like, how did you just finish that so quickly? Yeah. So like I've done, I've done them all and it is, but it is also like you're saying too, is, is more work you have? Great. Also just kind of getting in there and just meeting everyone on the job like so for example i had one of my favorite contractors i work with right now he does uh all my ac uh repairs and new units down in north carolina and the way that i found him is i hired a big company to come out and do my ac i'm at the house just chopping it up with the the guys that are on the crew and the main guy that's on the project it, i'm talking to him you know shooting the shit and i end up texting him like later that night because i just get everyone's number that i can and so I text them, you know, later that day, like, hey, man, appreciate it. Might, have, might need somebody to come do the back house because there was two houses on this property. And he's like, well, dude, I'm about to leave my company. So if you want, I can just do this work on the side after I leave in about a week and I'll do it for $1,000. Keep in mind, I did the front house for $4,500 to do the exact same deal on the back. He's like, dude, if you buy the unit, I'll do it for 1000 bucks." And I was like, done, 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 yeah. done, done, and done. And so it really is like important to get in there and just meet everybody that's involved in the project because you won't, you know, you never know what's going to happen with those relationships and those connections. I know it's crazy, and it's like you, that's a huge, huge thing. I mean, I've always like whenever I've had a big company come out to look at anything, I always ask. I'm like, so what are the odds you would do this off the books and just see? Because like a lot, I was it's never happened to me where somebody would be like, oh yeah, no problem, I'll do it, but. 
like, you know, some of those guys, they end up leaving someday. So if you get their number, it's like, you know, you tell them, hey, reach out to me if you ever need a job. And, yeah. you know, hopefully you have a job at that point for them to go do. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, it's also one of those things where, like, yeah, I'm never trying to, like, you know, hire them necessarily like, off of their crew. But, dude, like you're saying, so many of these people, like, almost nobody's end-all, be-all dream goal is to be like, yeah, I just want to work for this guy and make $15 an hour for the rest of my life. Almost all these contractor guys are like, I want to start this on my own one day. I want to start painting on my own. I want to start doing HVAC installs on my own. I want to do X, Y, and Z on my own. So it's like, yeah, you just stay in touch with them. Eventually, they're going to be on their own and and looking for you know looking for jobs to do. So well, if you become the guy that has the work, then your number will just be it'll it'll be shared. Mm-hmm. I get calls all the time from guys like, "Hey, do you need work? Do you, do you have work? Do you have work?" And that's all they ask. <laughs> I'm like, "What do you do?" And they're yeah. like, "Everything." I do. They like tie on and they're just going on and on. And it's like, all right, yeah, I might have something for you. Yeah. And, well. Also, I will say off of that, because I get the same thing too, where people are like, oh, do this. But another thing, going back to like that mentor thing where I kind of like test them, I'm sure you do the same thing with these type guys is, dude, I'll test them out with a small project. Yeah, I need this bathroom painted or I need, you know, I need this bedroom painted. If they don't show up on time, if they don't do a good job, if they aren't like, you know, sending me before and after photos, like I ask them, it's like, all right, well, good job. You tried your, you know, you had your one chance and now you lost it. So I guess I won't be calling you again. Dude, I do the same thing. Like I've, you know, I've got properties that I rent out around here and I just like, Hey, send them out there. I'm like, Hey, go and, you know, retile this. I look at their tile work. I'm like, all right, this is pretty good. Or no, it sucked. You get out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I had, I had a guy that I met at a, uh, at a Home Depot. I was so excited about it. He was talking such a big game. He's like, yeah, man, like I do all this work on the side, blah, blah, blah. So I hired him to come out and and put it just LVP down in one of my bathrooms. And I got there and I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, like, what what did you just do? Yeah. So I'd like rip it all out and put it down again. But yeah, it's just like one of those things where you have to kind of test them out and see, uh, see what they got to, got to offer. Um, now you're just going to have consistent work. Yeah. 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 Having consistent that, and that has been probably my biggest part that I've been slacking on is not having them all in one place. Like all the properties in one place does make it hard to have super duper consistent work. Like I always have work, but it's always like, a different project here and there. It's never like, you know, I always need a painter. I always need a guy doing flooring or, you know, whatever it is. Um, But anyway, so you have some investment properties. Like what do you have in your portfolio right now as far as like your personal investment properties that you got going on? Yeah. So I've got, um, I've got an apartment building right outside of Old Town, Alexandria, an eight unit there. Um, I've got a handful of like single family rentals. And then I have one condo, which I'm about to sell my condo. And, um, you know, I, I've got, I lend out money too. So I've lent out, you know, some money for hard money lending, which is, you know, it's been fine. So that, really? that's kind of, I'm, I'm actually like right now is the first time in like two years that I don't own any houses that I'm flipping. Really? Interesting. Yeah. That's crazy. So wait, what got you into the, uh, into the apartment complex? Cause that's something that I've been kind of like keeping my eye on now is kind of the next play that I'm looking to do. I've done a bunch of like single family and like small multifamily properties, but apartment complex is the next play that I'm kind of eyeballing. So what has your experience been doing in apartment? Yeah. So it kind of like, it's weird, but remember at the beginning of the podcast where I was like, I was always looking for deals and whatnot. This just came up one day and I was like, I need to find a way to buy this. This does (laughs) not come up that often. Okay. Interesting. And so how'd you, how'd you end up acquiring it? Did you get, uh, like, did you go in with partners or did you like do the whole thing yourself? Okay. I went in and I got a strategic partner who helped me set up a fund 
and then I, I raised, we, I think we raised about $600,000 between the two of us, uh, friends and family. Okay. Sick. And then, um, we, you know, we're about, actually about to deliver it. We're about to go to market with it here shortly. So, so you guys are renovating it right now and about finished. to rent it out. We, we renovated the whole thing. The whole property was in disrepair. Rents were at 1400 where they should have been at 28. Like it was just, the building was very, very, very mismanaged. So, you know, we took it over, we gutted the entire thing. We added washer dryers in every single unit. We added bathrooms in every unit. Like we did a huge renovation. It was the renovation, uh, in and of itself was actually probably one of the largest projects. It probably, I've built houses, you know, ground up, but this is probably a more complicated and larger project than just building a house. Wow. And so, so, all right, well, dude, let's do, you listen to Bigger Pockets, let's do the deal dive right now on this. This is sick. Um, so like, what'd you end up getting this place for? Listen for a million eight. We went under contract at a million six fifty, and then in due diligence, we negotiated down to a million four eighty five. So we that's, closed at a million four eighty five. That's sick. All right. Well, actually quick little shameless plug for yourself. What is the importance of having like a good educated realtor through like the negotiation process? Cause so many times, like when I was new to real estate, I'd be like, oh my gosh, are you sure we want to, you know, offer like at asking, like what ha like what if this is wrong, that's wrong, you know, this, that, and the other. So what's the importance and kind of what's your strategy around negotiating deals for yourself and your clients? Well, you know, the agents who are bad at negotiating are typically agents who don't sell a lot of houses. Yeah. Because like, let's say you came to me and you were like, Jacob, I need to buy a house. Um, here's my criteria. We find your house, right? And let's say you say to me, it's life or death if I don't get this house, right? What, how often does that really happen? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. when is it ever like life or death if you don't buy this house? And it's like, it's never. So never. it's like, yeah. You know, when you're when you're a realtor and you're in this, you're in a negotiation. It's like most realtors suck at negotiating because they need the commission. Yep. So they, you know, what they're negotiating more so against their client. Bingo. It's the realtor versus their versus their client to get the deal to keep going through. Yep. Which in a lot of cases, you know, the client like they, you know, they might actually be trying to make a very bad decision. The realtor has to coach them through it. But like yep. a lot of the times, you see, you know, realtors just like, hey, let me get you into this house and let's move on to the next one. It's like when I started having a really consistent flow of business. My like this is probably after being in the business for about a year. My negotiation skills went up so much because I didn't care if the deal died or not. If it yep. dies, it's like whatever. Like I'll list and put it on the market again. And agents will always say this. Like they'll always be like, "Oh, don't you don't don't you not want the deal to die?" And it's like, "Well, I don't care if the deal dies. Like what? <laughs> why why yeah. would I care? Like, yeah, it's what's best for my client." Like, that's yep. what I care about. Is that not what you care about? <laughs> yeah. Well, we dude, might, you and I might be misaligned. Yeah. Well, it's so true too. Cause like it is, it's crazy that so many people are like, it's, it's just every in sales in general, the person that loses the negotiation is always the person that needs it worse. It's, it's always it, like, cause like you're saying, if, if I don't care that the deal doesn't close, you don't care the deal doesn't close. Like, Whoever cares more is going to end up losing. Like if I don't want to buy or if I don't want to sell the house, then it's going to be really hard for you to negotiate against me and try and get a good deal for your client and vice versa. If I really want to sell the house and you're like, well, I got another 10 houses I could go show my client. Well, then I'm going to be at the disadvantage. So yeah, I think being able to just be like, look, man, I'm only, I'm only moving if it's a good deal. And, and that's going back to like when I was mentoring some of my buddies on buying properties, I'd be like, dude, 
why does it matter if you end up losing out on the deal? Because so many people get so emotionally invested into the deal when it's under contract. It's like, it has to close. It has to close. Like, it doesn't have to close. Like, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't end up closing for you. Because, exactly. you know, it, it, unless you screw yourself with your, you know, when you're kind of setting up um, the contract, and you're going to lose a bunch of like, you know, what, earnest money or whatever it's going to be. You know, I've, I've done this a long time in the sense of like, no, I haven't been in the business for 30 years, but like I've done hundreds of transactions. And I've never had one person ever lose their money deposit. And I've had countless people go into default. Dude, it, it's it's it so nice happened. to hear. Yeah, it, well, it never happens to you because you know what you're doing. You know how to set up a contract. But it's I see so many people that are just like, dude, I had oh. a realtor once tell me your earnest money deposit. Or actually, in North Carolina, because they do due diligence. So yeah. they have like due diligence where it doesn't matter what happens with the house. You lose it. Like, it doesn't matter if you put the house under contract. And the foundation's like completely fucked. You lose your your uh, due diligence money. And I had I had agents say that I should put the entire down payment as my due diligence. So like if the down payment's gonna be like fifty thousand dollars, like, yeah, you should make the due diligence fifty thousand dollars. Like, no. so then I have then I have absolutely no leverage. Like, like you're completely screwed. So yeah, yeah. it's nice to I, hear I, that you're not doing that. To your I, I've had a, I had one a couple of months ago where like. The, our client went into default and I was negotiating it and it was, I mean, they had like, you know, they, they just blatantly didn't go to closing cause they had cold feet and it's like, Hey guys, look, you're in default on the contract. You were supposed to go to closing today and you didn't. So you're in default. Yeah. And the agent was negotiating with me. She's like, we're going to take the whole earnest money deposit, blah, 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 blah. And I said right back to her, I was like, I mean, yeah, you can go for it, but like, you know, we'll, we just will simply will not sign a release. And what's going to happen if you don't sign a release in Virginia is that, you know, the title, the title company takes the money that they got as the earnest money deposit and they send it to the court. So then you have to go settle in a court. And I was like, and I explained to her, I was like, this is what's going to happen. You want to go down this road. We're going to, I'm going to instruct the title company to send the money to the courthouse and we're, let's just settle it there. Your clients can spend 10 grand on attorneys. My clients are happy to spend 10 grand on attorneys. We can situate there. And then five months from now, the market's probably not going to be as good of a place and your, and your sellers won't get their price. And she was like, because, you know, it's like a CMD. It's like, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to, you know, what are your, like, you want to do that for five months when tied up in court? Yeah, dude, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Uh, well, dude, I we're already at an hour. I don't know how we're already at an hour. I yeah, told you I don't keep minutes. it. Yeah, I know it's insane. I could talk. I, I literally wanted to ask you so many questions about flipping houses. So we're gonna have to do another episode where I just exclusively talk to you about like flipping and developing because I've done a lot of like fl flips and holds, but never done any like development. And that's something I'm thinking about kind of dabbling in. So I will definitely be reaching out to you with some questions there. But anyways, I guess just to wrap us up, like. Where can people find you? How can people reach out if they're interested in help either buying a house or, or renovating a house? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. It's Jacob Hamilton's. So H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N-S. Um, feel free to follow me there. Shoot me a message if you want. You can, you know, I try to post consistently when it comes to the projects that we're working on, all that type of stuff. Um, and yeah, that's honestly, that's probably the best way to, to get a hold of me. Sweet. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming on. It was an absolute blast picking a uh, picking the brain of somebody that is absolutely like one of the top contacts in my phone that I reach out to when I have a real estate related question is you. So <laughs> it's nice to have somebody in my corner that I can ask some tough questions to that most people don't understand. So I definitely appreciate you coming on the show and uh, yeah, hopefully Thanks, people enjoyed listening to you talk, man. It was sweet. Yeah, it was fun. Let's do it again sometime. <laughs> All right. Peace.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chris's Secret Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. It would mean a lot to me if you could subscribe to our YouTube channel at Chris's Secret Podcast or follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify at Chris's Secret Podcast once again, or follow me on Instagram. It's just at Chris Arslan. And remember, if you want to get involved with the show, reach out to us and ask us a question and you might be featured here on the show during what is my favorite part of the show, the mailbag. So if you want to get involved, it's very easy to ask me a question. Just slide into my DMs on Instagram. Once again, that is at Chris Arslan. Or leave us a comment on YouTube on our latest YouTube video or leave us a review on Apple Podcast and ask us a question in the review. Remember, five stars only, please. And until next time, figure out some ways to make some passive income so I can see you out on the slopes or on the pickleball courts. So until next time, peace.